I'm reminded of a story that is told about Mother Teresa, the saint of Calcutta. One of her volunteers came up to her one day and said, Mother Teresa, how can you continue to do this work in and out every day when impoverishment and death it, it surrounds you? How can you continue to do this? And she said, oh, my darling, I was called to serve. I wasn't called to succeed. <laughs> and I think about that with our 12-step work. And I think about that in carrying the message. You know, we are called to serve. We are called to throw the seeds out. We are not responsible for that seed breaking through the ground. That's God's handiwork. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey there, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Don, yep. it's time to celebrate. The July issue is out. <laughs> the new grapevines are here. The new grapevines are here. I have already had an opportunity to read You're the new issue. like that. Yeah. So I get an early look, and there's some great stories. One that I read that got to me a little bit, it brought a tear of identification to my eye, is I got this under control on page 56. I, just like the writer, never admitted to being an alcoholic until my very first AA meetings. First time I ever said the word out loud. What about you, Sam? Did you ever say you were an alcoholic? Did you know you were an alcoholic? I'm so I'm going to preface my first meeting was when I was like 18 or 19 years old and I didn't come yeah. back until I was 32 33. Wow. Yeah, there I knew I didn't drink right <laughs> early on, but actually saying I was an alcoholic before I came to that second meeting if you will probably but I was drunk yeah. when I said it and I don't remember it. I remember it was like <laughs> it was going around the room and everybody was going so, you know I'm so and so I'm an alcoholic I'm so and so I'm an alcoholic and I was, and yes. I've never said the word out loud before and I was going I don't know what I'm going to do what am I going to say much less saying it to a room full of sober people that's a big admission <laughs> yeah that's what the story is about i got this under control and and it really touched me when i read that i'm sure you know i remember one of the things that was such a stickler for me about saying that in those very early days was i would say i am sam i am alcoholic i would not describe myself oh. as an alcoholic a little bit of remove there. yes <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I also like Let the Games Begin, where this was cool. The writer turns all of recovery into a game, like the game Clean Up the Sink, which is go do something to help someone else. I guess it's kind of like the idea of uh, maybe it's my job to clean up the sink instead of just leaving all the dishes there. I think that's the idea behind it, but I like that <laughs> one. And, and also gratitude grab bag at any moment. What am I grateful for right now? And then I think this is the hardest game of all, particularly maybe for you, Sam. You don't know me. <laughs> it's called Calm Commuter. Hop in the car and can I make it to my destination without becoming irritated at all those dadgum drivers? 
I don't know what you're talking about. I do not get irritated in the car. Actually, how other people drive is a fantastic barometer of my spiritual fitness. That's right. Well, you know, uh, if I had a spiritual fitness buzzer, it would be going off in the car. <laughs> That's the place. You know? <laughs> yeah, I do not have a prominent vein in my forehead. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's not poking out. So gamifying recovery. Gamifying, you probably haven't heard of that word, Don. No, I've heard we're, of gamifying. We're different generations here. I, I, but gamifying recovery, like so yeah. many other things, we pick up the things that work for us. And if gamifying it helps me do it, by all means, do it. Very cool. Absolutely. Well, we want to let everyone know the Literature Committee is updating the pamphlet AA for the Black and African American Alcoholic. There's a call for new stories of recovery from all African American, Canadian, and Caribbean AA members from the English, French, and Spanish-speaking Black communities in AA. The deadline is October 31, 2022. Email stories to pamphletstories, P-A-M-P-H-L-E-T-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at aa.org or see page 10 of the July 2022 issue. But on page 25 of the grapevine is a story on group sponsorship of incarcerated AA members by John D. of St. Cloud, Minnesota. It's called All Hands on Deck. And? Well... (laughs) He's our guest today. All right. (laughs) Listen to this quote from here. Imagine if once a month a group would meet a few minutes before their regular meeting to devote time to writing the group's sponsored incarcerated member. What a great way to conduct service work and to help newcomers learn to carry the message. Indeed. That's a great bit of service work carried out by the whole group. I'm looking forward to meeting John. Me too. Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org. Order a copy of the new book, Fun in Sobriety, and join us August 22nd for a group discussion. Participate by calling 212-870-3418 with your reflections on fun and sobriety, and we may play it on the show. That's 212-870-3418. Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. What an honor and a pleasure it is to be with you today. My name is John. I'm an alcoholic sober by the grace of God, the fellowship of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, the application of the 12 steps of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I haven't found it necessary to take a drink since July 22nd of 1978. My home group is the Thursday Night Young People's Group in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Now, you might be wondering, well, gee, I'm listening to this guy's voice. He doesn't sound very young. (laughs) I started going to that group when I was 15 years old, and it remains my home group today. Awesome. I love that. Young People was my last home group in North Carolina before I moved to Palm Springs, California. You were talking earlier about introducing yourself. When I went to my first AA meeting, I introduced myself as Pass. (laughs) (laughs) Did people say hi, Pass? They did indeed. But you know what was so wonderful is nobody shamed me. Nobody blamed me. Nobody corrected me. They just said, keep coming back until the miracle happens. 
That's it. None of us, I certainly wasn't comfortable coming into my first AA meeting. It's not a fun prospect. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a terrifying prospect. So you haven't had a drink since you were 15. That's correct. It wasn't easy. You know, I I grew up in an alcoholic family. I went through a 30-day rinse, wash, and repeat program. When I got back out, I came home to an alcoholic environment. It was a struggle. But one of my coping techniques was by going to AA meetings. And so for my first 365 days of sobriety, I went to 365 meetings because when things were were crazy at home and people were drinking and the alcoholic environment was raging, I would cope by just thinking it's only six hours to my AA meeting. It's only four hours to my AA meeting. It's only two hours to my AA meeting. And then I would go to my AA meeting and I'd be set for the next 24 hours. I understand that. I get that every time I've walked into an AA meeting, particularly when the day has just been really stressful or whatever's been going on that I don't like, my shoulders drop when I walk into the the space. And it sounds like that's what you're saying happened for you, that this was that place, that moment of serenity, that period to recharge and be with people who get you. Yeah, absolutely. It felt like I was coming home. You know, we have our family of choice and our family of chance. My family of chance wasn't working out too well, so I made a new family of choice. (laughs) So coming to AA meetings, I discovered is it's really not about, for me, wanting to drink and trying to avoid drinking. I go to AA meetings to get charged up and to redirect my thinking so that I can live life effectively, not fight the things that I can't change and accept those things and then figure out what I can change and, you know, how to be effective in my life. It picks me up and points me in the right direction. So it sounds like very soon for you, that was the case. Yeah, absolutely. AA, as it says in the big book, you know, is it designed for living? And I had already learned how to drink, but I really hadn't learned how to live. I'm going to meetings. I'm doing well. I've got a new social group, a new support group, and I get my 90-day chip. And man, I was on cloud nine. That rocked. I got my 90-day chips. I I am doing this. And then we got a phone call in the middle of the night that told me that my oldest sister had just been killed by a drunk driver. Hmm. And I wanted to chuck that medallion in the closest body of water and say, thanks, this is what I get for staying sober. And I'm at the visitation just a few 24 hours later, and people are coming up to me and saying, hey, if you feel like you need a drink, give me a call. Hey, if you want to go to a meeting after this, you give me a call. And these were people I didn't even know. But they were people from the local AA groups who had heard that this 15-year-old had just lost his sister and he might need some help and support. And so they came in droves to the visitation. You know, I've learned that when life goes down, AA shows up. And that was proof positive in that instance. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry that that happened. Isn't it beautiful that AA was there to support you during that time? Well, I relate in when my brother-in-law died and I was sober two years. And that day of that funeral, I really wanted to drink. I met with my sponsor and didn't touch it then. 
I made it through the afternoon to the time of the funeral. And when the funeral happened, there were 15 people from my home group who didn't know anyone except for me. And they were there to support me. And I just felt like I was carried through that. Yeah, exactly. It was that support. It was that showing up. In the meetings, they had said, you know, we'll be there for you if you need us. But I think there was a little voice in the back of my head that said, really, really? And then when that instant happened and they showed up, they actually were there for me outside of the meetings. Yes. I remember Greg and I were moving out of the house that we got sober in and into our first sober house. We had too many people show up to help us move. That doesn't happen in the real world. (laughs) And what a great problem to have. Thank you. Yes. Well, John, were there other young people of your age in AA when you came in? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I had one day of sobriety and a fellow in the group by the name of Steve had 365 days of sobriety. And I thought he was a demigod. He was 17 years old and he had one year of sobriety. And I just thought he walked on water. This year, Steve will celebrate 45 years of sobriety and he's my sponsor. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's fabulous. What a journey. Well, about that journey, did you simply accept that you were an alcoholic? Yeah, it was real finger of God kind of stuff. You know, the epiphany happened. I had a person in the legal system say, you know, you should try Alcoholics Anonymous. I said, okay. I walked into my first meeting. I'm scared out of my wits, but they reached out to me. They made me feel comfortable. And I realized that there was a fellowship there and a group that I could grow with. And through that journey, it has grounded me and given me a design for living that I've been able to parlay into finishing high school, finishing college, and going on to have a successful career in the military for 27 years. And all of that was foundational to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, because they taught me about things of showing up, being honest, being a person of integrity, following through, discipline, all those things I learned around the tables, I was able to parlay into life lessons, lifelong lessons. Turns out simple thing like being honest is uh, <laughs> difficult to do, but really does help you live a better life. <laughs> yeah, indeed. To be forthwith, especially in an environment, a, a culture like the military. I mean, you can't fluff. You can't a BS stuff when the commander needs to know what's the situation. He wants ground facts. Uh, she wants to know what the situation is. And you learn to be honest real quick. What about drinking with companions? Everyone else is going out to drink. What do you do with that? Being sober as a young person, we were building the ship as we were flying it. There was very little to do at that point as a young person. There was Ikipah, but they circle around the nation every once in a while. And and if you weren't close enough within a four or five state area, it just was too expensive to go to. And real quick, Ikipai is the uh, International Conference of Young People in AA. Exactly. So we would have sober dances. We would have cribbage parties. We would have gin rummy parties. We would have pizza parties. We would have movie nights. We would do things as a fellowship sober so that it was absolutely important to not drink, 
but we also had to have fun. That was so crucial, so important in those early days of sobriety. Yeah, still is. <laughs> it is still <laughs> Listen, I didn't find young people in AA until I was about 45, 46 years old. And that's when I actually went because it was my new sponsor's home group. There were a handful of us older people in there, but I, I remember sharing with these young people that they scared me and I want to learn from you. I want to learn your language. I want to, to hang out. I want to get to know you. And they embraced me. Young people in AA is, is awesome. Yeah, they're off the hook. The energy, the enthusiasm. <laughs> and, and you know, what's really neat is we talk about giving back freely that which was given to us. What better way to give back than for the next generation of people who are coming up? Uh, and it's a two-way street. Coaching that goes on with somebody who has a few 24 hours and the enthusiasm and injection of life that they get from the young person. Mm -hmm. They see that, you know, we can't rest on our laurels. Complacency kills. With their enthusiasm and energy, it makes me want to be a better AA person. It does indeed. And I love that you have stayed around with WIPA. It's such a big deal for the folks who get the gift to stay in these places where the people are coming in. You know, the kids are not necessarily coming into the uh, the stodgy old big book study meeting that is happening in the church basement somewhere. It's important for people with experience in recovery to be in these YPA meetings too. Yeah, I heard once in a meeting and I love it. You know, I go to one meeting a week to feed and another meeting to seed. I have a meeting that I feed at, and I have a meeting that I see that. <laughs> John, what is uh, one of the steps that was really transformational for you? I would say duly the fourth and fifth, going through that self-inventory and then admitting my faults to another human being. You know, at 15, I was filled of shame. I was filled with stigma. I was filled with self-hate and self-loathing. You know, taking my life was looking to be a good alternative to the life that I was leading. And to have somebody look me in the eye and say, I get it. I love you. You are worthy. These things are not insurmountable. You can work through them. There is hope. It will get better. Those messages were transformational. And those were the messages that I got out of my fifth step. Hey folks, just a reminder that we need you to call 212-870-3418 to record questions for the old timers and also recovery related jokes. That's 212-870-3418. You have an article about group sponsorship. I like the idea of taking the strain the awesome responsibility of this being one person responsible for writing letters to correctional facilities. Talk about that and what you did. Thank you. You know, they say that necessity is the mother of invention. And we had a corrections person who was working in the Bridging the Gap program, which is typically a program in AA where somebody who's incarcerated will get in touch with a corrections person about 90 days before their release. And then that person starts with a correspondence program. They share letters back and forth leading up to that person's release from the correctional facility with the intent of 
hey, when you get outside, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to introduce you to the community of AA. I'll take you to a few meetings. I'll introduce you to some temporary sponsors and help you make a, a warm transfer, a nice warm handoff to AA on the outside. And so we had a person who was working with that, with somebody who was incarcerated, and that person wrote back to him and said, my release date has been pushed back 18 months, and I won't be getting out for two years now, but I would like to continue writing letters. And this person came to our group and he said, the problem with that is I really hate writing letters. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind doing it for the 90 days because it turned out to be maybe three or four letters. Seemed daunting. Yeah. Now I've got a commitment for two years and I, I'm just, I'm just not that guy. Mm-hmm. And the group said, why don't we take that on? Why don't we all write? We could do that. And so the group that I'm talking about was actually the St. Cloud Intergroup. Let us take that burden off your back. We will, as a group, sponsor this individual. And so for the next two years, at the start of our business meeting, we would all get out a pad, a piece of paper, a pen, and we would write letters, inspirational letters. Read page 517 in the big book. I'm thinking about you. You matter to us. We are looking forward to meeting you. Just inspirational messages, which we would then stuff into an envelope and we would all mail out. Now, having been deployed to a combat zone, I know that getting mail is like a birthday. It's like Christmas. It's like Hanukkah. And I suspect that it's probably the same way on the inside. So what we did was mail out a letter every day or every couple of days. So we didn't get seven or eight at the same time, but they would be kind of back to back to back to back to back. And after a couple of months, he wrote back to us and he said, I am the most popular person on my cell block because I get more mail than anyone. (laughs) This is awesome. After two years, he was released. He came back and he visited our inner group. So we actually got eye to eye contact with him. And he said, you guys were incredible. That sustained me. I looked so forward to getting those letters and those notes. And, you know, some of the people in there, you know, they just weren't wordsmiths. So maybe it was easy does it thinking about you. Mm-hmm. But just that note was enough to inspire that guy and to keep him going. And, and most of all, and this is foundational to AA, right? It gave him hope. Yes. It oh, gave yeah. Him hope. Yes. yeah. Yeah. And connection. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, I could see how that could make it so much easier to sit down and write a letter if I'm doing it with a group of people. Well, and I love the fact that it's, it's also not only distributing the responsibility amongst a, a group of people. Also, if it's one person who is writing to an incarcerated person and something happens to the person on the outside, what happens? Right. And we saw that happen with COVID. Mm-hmm. And so imagine that you have this correspondence, right? And suddenly the letters stop and yeah. you've been receiving them. You're on the inside. You have no idea why. With this approach, you've got depth and coverage with all of the people that are out there incarcerated who are looking for correspondence with AA. Just imagine if groups started taking this on, how many more people we could be of service with. And it doesn't have to be on the shoulders of one person. A group could take that on. And what a great way for a group to get involved in service and what a great service they could provide. 
you made me want to write letters to the, maybe to the military. It's why not? Because I know there must be AA members who are deployed that would love to get mail. Well, as a matter of fact, the St. Cloud intergroup, we did a presentation and a member of the Minnesota National Guard attended it. It's also a member of AA. They got stationed in Kuwait and they reached back to us and said, hey, we'd like to start a meeting here, but we don't have any of the materials. Could you guys sponsor us? So I immediately sent off a care package of a couple of big books, a 12 and 12, lots of great finds, as well as AA and the Armed Forces. And I'm proud to say that for nine months, the Monday Night Kuwait AA group existed because of them reaching back to us and us responding to them. Uh, So you're absolutely right. And there's a a lot of 12-step work that can be done with our members in the military. You know, I'm a former member of the military, served 27 years. And during World War II and World War I, there were thousands of GIs who said, I can't imagine going to war without having a drink. But now thousands of GIs like me say, I can't imagine going to war without the program of AA. Mm-hmm. Can you suggest uh, ways that a group could find someone to write to? It's a little bit tricky. Our group recently bought two subscriptions for correctional facilities in North Carolina, and we just bought a year subscription to the grapevine because we found that in the prisons here, they won't accept personal letters. Have you got any ideas of how to approach this well, certainly, and, and there are nuances. Each state, each facility has their own set of rules, and, and you have to work within that framework. So you could go direct to the institution, if you have an institution in your area, reach out to the person who might be working with public affairs, public relations, somebody who has that title, and introduce yourself as a member of, of AA that you would like to enter into a correspondence program with somebody there on the inside who's going to AA meetings and would enjoy a relationship like that. Um, you could go through your district or your area. You could go to GSO New York and reach out to the corrections person there. So you could go to the institution itself. You could go through your district. You could go through your area or you could go through GSO. Excellent. But to be cognizant of the fact that each one of these entities has their own nuances. For example, uh, the person that we first dealt with We could send them notes, we could send them cards, we could send them letters. And then we did it again, and we're still currently doing it with the person who is incarcerated in Virginia. And we did that. We sent cards and they all got sent back. You may not send cards to this institution. It can only be a letter and it can only be written on one side. Uh, Okay. So we were like, okay, uh, new institution, new rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. John, thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for what you are doing, Sam, Don, for carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, and especially carrying the message about our meeting in print. John, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Don? What's the word? Red, white, and blue. That's three words. Well, I can't count, (laughs) but I find it ironic that colors red, white, and blue stand for freedom. 
until they're flashing behind you. Uh-oh, where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it, it through, through the grapevine. grapevine. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.